Hello. Welcome to the season finale of Series 5 of the Rich Next Generation podcast. I am Grace Jeffries and I'm thinking about my future. To help me with this, I'm speaking with successful women to get an understanding of the challenges they faced throughout their careers, how they became them and what tips they have for girls of my age. Today my guest is Yvonne Harrison, who is the CEO of Women in Football. Yvonne is actively involved with a number of organisations in a non-executive director capacity, as an executive coach slash mentor and as a trustee. Thanks for joining me today, Yvonne. Can we start by you telling us all how your career took you to the role you have today? Absolutely. And uh, first of all, thank you for having me, Grace. It's an absolute privilege uh, to be part of this today and in the finale too. Um, So I have always had a passion for sport um, at school it was something that really ignited me um, and I played a lot of sport at school I wasn't um, you know at a national level or any any kind of elite but I was very much involved in lots of different activities at school and I think it taught me an awful lot and it certainly gave me a view that when I grew up I wanted to work in sport. I just saw so much passion, joy, highs, lows, and so many different things that kind of emerge, never mind friendships and lots of skills that you kind of develop. So I always wanted to work in sport. And so when I went off to college, um, I did a a leisure and tourism DMVQ and I did an A-level as well. Um, And then I also followed that at uni with a, a leisure management degree um, so the path in terms of my education was very much focused around this sport and leisure industry back in the day when I was going through my education sport wasn't necessarily portrayed as you know a huge and accessible career um, and so there weren't many sports degrees if you look at universities or college education now there's a lot of things that are focused on sport um, so I went through that educational route, but at the same time, I played netball and basketball a lot uh, during school and outside of school. And um, I then focused on netball, a club in Manchester called Dominoes. And there was a time when I was on the committee of that club and we decided it would be amazing to set up a junior netball club. Um, and there was a small number of us that did that. And it's still running today with many, many teams in East Manchester. And it's something I'm so proud of. Um, even though I'm not day to day involved anymore, you know, a lot of the girls that are coaching now, I used to coach as young girls playing. Um, and it's really amazing to see like how far they've come. So volunteering in sport as well as playing sport was a big part of my life. And it really helped me when it came to getting a job um, because qualifications are fantastic and it's a really important foundation for any career. Um, but actually what I found were employers wanted something that kind of stood you out from the crowd mm-hmm. um, and when you volunteer or do things like hosting your own podcast which is incredible and um, you really stand out from everybody else who maybe is just going through the things that they have to do you know volunteering yeah. is something that you want to do you're drawn to do and it's you're giving your time it shows real commitment to something that you care about and so I got my first job um, in sport as a result really of me volunteering in an organization for a period of time um, and and then yeah seeing an opportunity and applying for that part-time role and and sort of getting that and ever since then I knew I'd made the right decision in wanting to work in sport um, I do accept however 
it's not always that clear for people. So I have a 15 year old son right now who's really unsure of what he wants to do. And so that's quite difficult for me. I, I just knew I wasn't sure what, but just something in sport. So I do appreciate that not everybody that watches this will um, will be clear right now on what they want to do. But um, it's OK. I think the big things for me is follow a passion um, and do something that you're good at, you know, at each next level and, and see where that takes you. So my career, thankfully, has, has always kept me within sport and making a difference. That's very important to me, whether that's mentoring people um, whether that's uh, working in communities to help them improve their lives. Every role that I've got, whether that's as a CEO or whether that's on a committee or as a trustee, it's all about making a difference and helping people. That's something that personally drives me. Um, and it means that I, I want to get involved in, in different things. So I guess um, my I worked at Greater Sport um, as an assistant club and volunteer development officer. Um, and then I kind of progressed through that organisation um, into a volunteer development officer full time, then into a head of sport, um, then as deputy chief executive, and then uh, some years later as, as the chief executive. But I entered that organisation as a volunteer and I was actually there for 15 years, which was incredible and um, such memorable. And I'm actually meeting some people I used to work with uh, on Saturday. Uh, which will be so nice, like a, a huge group of people that have been involved in that organisation. And, um, you know, it's something that's always close to my heart as a, a Mancunian and uh, someone that's worked in Greater Manchester a long time. And um, so it was a very tough decision to leave. But um, I did and went on to other opportunities, which, you know, I can talk about. Um, but hopefully that gives you a steer of how I got into the industry that I'm in. Definitely. Now, when you were at school, you mentioned that you were quite into sports, but did you know anything about perhaps what you wanted to do or be, or did it happen as you maybe have said later in life? So earlier in, in school, I kind of wanted to be a vet okay. or an air hostess. <laughs> um, I know they're quite different, uh, different sort of things. And I did a little bit of work experience, actually, as I was in kind of... Um, secondary school in that upper end of that um, as an air traffic controller for a week um, which was really cool um, so I guess I guess with hindsight like I said I always wanted to work in sport but but at the same time I was like oh I'll be a vet or I'll be a this and um, which I think you do and and um, it's you know it's it's interesting it's part of learning and discovery and um, what I discovered is my eyesight is not good enough to be an air traffic controller so that was that one out the window um, but then I, as I kind of got older through through school, I just realised that there could be a career in sport. I wasn't quite sure what, like often if you say to people, oh, I want to work in sport, at that time they were like, well, you can be a PE teacher then. You know, that that was literally um, what, what you were kind of afforded, if you like. Um, and I wasn't sure, like I, I really enjoyed PE at school, but I wasn't sure I wanted to be a PE teacher. So that's where I kind of thought I want to be in sport what courses can I do at college that would let me kind of continue and explore this a bit more and that's where the leisure and tourism uh, sort of course came in um, and I just had to do an English uh, an A-level alongside it so I did English um, which was fine and um, I guess looking at the careers that were available it wasn't really very apparent back then what you could do but I didn't know about different places in the industry and it was only really when I went to university 
um, and we had to do a work placement for about six weeks. Um, I went to Salford Uni. Um, you had to do a work placement. And at the time, the Commonwealth Games was coming to Manchester, which will definitely show my age if you Google that. And um, I thought, oh, I could I could do work experience with them. That would be amazing. Like it's a huge global event and it's in Manchester and it would just be brilliant. So that was like um, a target for me. Um, but when I contacted them, they they were still quite a small team. So it was a couple of years out from the Games. And so basically they were like, we haven't really got capacity to help to support anyone um, with experience right now. So it's a no from us. And then I came across this organisation. It's a charity called Greater Sport. And when I contacted them, I went for an interview, uh, which all felt very formal and a bit scary. Um, but I had a good conversation with them and they were like, we're happy for you to come in. You can do six weeks with us. And what I realised was there was this charity on my doorstep that I'd never heard of before who were connected so much with sport. So they worked with national governing bodies like, you know, British Cycling, the FA, England Netball, um, rugby football, like all of these national governing bodies. They work with local authorities around what they provided for people in communities in terms of leisure and sports activity. They work with Sport England. Like they work with lots of organisations. So I thought this is an amazing place because they're so connected to everybody. Maybe I can stay here doing some stuff. So after my placement, I said to them, can I continue? Can I come in once a week around my university course? Whatever you need me to do, I'll do it for free. Um, I'm really keen to get experience and build my network. Um, and that really is the thing that made me more aware of the different types of kinds of opportunities. So, yes, you can do coaching. Yes, you can go into, you know, being a PE teacher, which is an incredible um, career. But there were also things like you could be a sports development officer. You could be a community sports support worker. Um, you know, there were lots of different roles. You could work for a national governing body. You could work for a leisure facility. So suddenly I was aware of all of these different things. And, you know, I, I ultimately ended up staying with Greater Sport for, you know, a long time. Um, but it really gave me the foundations of truly understanding the power of sport and its ability to change lives, um, which is something that drives me every day. Yeah. Now, there's a lot of talk about care quality quite generally. Um, how well do you think women are catching up with men's salaries and getting those top jobs, especially in sports? Yeah, I mean, when you look at the gender pay gap, you know, it's good that the information is published now. Um, and, there's, you know, we're still a, a long way from equality, that's for sure. Um, and it's bitterly disappointing. You know, I speak to my children and I'm like, why would your sister get paid any less for the job that you do? Uh, you know, it's wrong. And, it, and it's not only her job and my job to advocate for this, it's my son's and my husband's job to make sure that they question this in, in employee, you know, in companies in, in years to come. Um, because actually a big part of changing the inequalities that exist within society, uh, but particularly within sport, is allyship. And, you know, um, it, at the moment, the majority of decision making roles in sport, and again, broader than that, um, are taken by men. So whether that's senior management positions, whether that's board director positions, the majority are men and therefore that allyship and that support and that open-mindedness and that trailblazing to change the way things are done because they've always been done like that does not mean that's how it should continue moving forward yeah. is vitally important. So I'm seeing progress, I'm seeing lots of progress um, but still 
there's an awfully long way to go. Um, you know, when I first started in my kind of senior management job within um, Greater Sport, what I discovered is when I went into meeting rooms, it was often um, mostly men, mostly white men. Um, there weren't many people that looked like me. And that's quite challenging when you're young and potentially more inexperienced in your career. It can be quite overwhelming to find your voice and be able to influence those groups and feel confident to to speak up. But I had some brilliant um, male mentors around me who believed in me, who supported me, um, who really pushed me to come out of my comfort zone and speak and be heard and find my voice. So um, I'm very lucky in that sense. Um, but, you know, it's something that I champion, obviously, in the role that I do now, but in everything with Foundation 92, the charity that I am a trustee of, um, you know, we have a lot of provision for girls um, because it's important. We have a good range of diversity within our team. I'd like more females to be in our team. We're still nowhere near equal. Um, but, you know, we we consciously look at that and we try and encourage particularly people that have been involved in our programmes into our workforce as well. Definitely. Now, you were talking a little bit more, a little bit about progress earlier. Um, the world is changing so much. And also quite quickly, what do you say think work for women may look like in 10 years time then? Um, I'd, li I'd like to hope that in 10 years time, you know, we're not having the same conversation about the fact that there's so few women in boardrooms and those senior executive positions. I think what's interesting is that the global pandemic has really challenged businesses to think about how they operate and the working patterns. So more hybrid working, people working from home and being in the office. And actually, I think that plays well to a female audience, not because women don't want to be in the workplace, but actually sometimes the logistics of balancing and not every female, you know, has a family and cho chooses to have a family. But, you know, I have three children and sometimes like this evening, my husband has taken uh, my daughter to um, an activity that she has, and I've got to be ready at seven o'clock to pick my son up from something else. You know, we've got three children, we have to get them in different places. So if you're working from home on a particular day, it means you've not got that big commute, uh, which means, you know, you can be more available uh, to be able to do those and, and sort of work flexibly. I'd also like to think a big part of what needs to happen over the next decade is, is environments being inclusive. So it's okay to say we're going to advertise a job and we want everyone to apply, but that's not enough. You've got to go where women are or people that are underrepresented are. So if you've got a job, don't just put it in the usual channels. You know, have an open recruitment process. Go into different communities to try and encourage people to know that your organisation, you know, if you think of football, you know, people would automatically say, well, football is a man's sport. Well, it's not. And we've seen over the summer with the Lionesses and that incredible victory in the Euros. It's football is for everybody, but also not just about playing. It's about, you know, all of those other pitches uh, or, or roles that that come on and off the pitch. So I want to see more inclusive environments where, you know, some of what people would class as banter, you know, doesn't happen anymore and that women feel included and valued and, and part of conversations and are not overlooked for promotions or because they're not at the golf day or they're not in that certain conversation with that clique of um, men. And there are some brilliant organisations out there, but there's a lot of work to do on that inclusive environment so that women really feel like they've got a place um, 
And we have some incredibly talented females in this country in all sorts of roles. So why not in sport and, and why is it not more visible and, and um, more common? Of course. Now, you mentioned the Lionesses um, and their incredible one Euros. And I'm sure lots of girls will now be probably thinking of following in those footsteps. What advice would you say give girls with perhaps these dreams? Um, number one, follow your dreams, have dreams and dream big, because um, that's what gets you out of bed every day. I think the really exciting thing about the Lionesses and for people, uh, young girls in particular, who want to become professional footballers, that genuinely is a career opportunity now, whereas, you know, 20, 30 years ago, it really wasn't. You know, the Barclays Women's Super League um, is the start of the competitive professional league in this country but it only became a thing in 2018 you know that's four years ago so we've only had professional women's football for four years and we've just won the euros so we can see when there is investment and when there is support and backing from the fa and corporate partners there can be progress made really quickly which is you know hugely hugely exciting i think there are more opportunities now for young girls to play locally to be involved in clubs that are either for girls or wider football clubs that have now got girls teams, girls sections, and then the player pathway, so that talent pathway, is getting better. It's not perfect. It still can be quite inaccessible, things in rural places, and you know, you're relying there on parents that can get you there and can support you in that, and not everybody's family can do that. So the FA are doing quite a bit of work on improving those elite centres at a more local level, which then lead into opportunities to play professionally. So follow your dreams, uh, work really hard. Work ethic is so important. Um, you know, if you've got hard work that, and a great attitude, you know, that takes you a long, long way. Definitely. Now, our theme of our summits is I can do it. Is there anything that you say thought you couldn't do that you have managed to do? Yeah, definitely. I love that as well. So I, I have um, in my hallway a big picture and it says, I can, I will, watch me. And um, that's something that me and a friend of mine say all the time. And when I set up my own business, actually, she she sent me that picture uh, in the post and I put it in a frame and it just reminds me on a daily basis. And I put it in my hallway specifically. So every morning when the kids go downstairs, they see that. And I'm like, I actually get them to say it sometimes when they think they can't do something. So in terms of, you know, I was I did English literature at A-level, but I was very shy reading, reading out loud and speaking in public. Um, so I didn't think I could do that. And when my teacher, I'm not advocating for this, by the way, but when my A-level teacher used to say to me, come on, Bonnie, read out this part in a play, uh, I would be like, no way, I'm, I can't do it. Like, I'm so frightened about doing it. What if I get it wrong? What if people laugh at me? Um, you know, I just, I wouldn't. And to go from not being able to do that to, as an example, um, speaking at the Greater Manchester Sports Awards with 600 plus people in a room um with uh, like a roaming mic so a bit like you know the pop stars might mm. might wear um getting people to cheer and to whoop introducing olympians and paralympians into a room getting everyone really excited about an event if you'd have asked me could i do that when i was 17 18 20 no way but i did because i worked really hard at it and it, it does not come naturally to me um, so I think where you've maybe got something that you don't see as a strength and you're frightened, if you put effort into those things that you know are going to be really important, you can. 
you really can progress and um you know I guess I'm living proof of that I have to speak a lot in my job um whether that's on the tv whether that's on the radio doing things like this team meetings at board meetings um lots of stuff and some of it can be really scary but I think being prepared you know when the lionesses were in the euros and starting I had to do loads of media interviews some were recorded some were live on tv I had to do a lot of research to make sure that I felt confident to be able to talk about those things and not let anyone in women's football down by my lack of knowledge or I was quite new into the role that I'm in now um so yeah hard work the right attitude being prepared really important things in life and finally um just before we go if you had to describe yourself say in three words what do you think they would be great question um empathetic okay passionate okay very driven definitely i can definitely see that <laughs> well thank you so so much today yvonne um i really enjoyed chatting with you today and i'm sure everyone listening will now be thinking about some of the choices they're about to make in their own futures keep listening to the reach next generation podcasts as i talk to many more brilliant women more information about us and our summits can be found at www.reachnextgeneration.com once again, a big thank you to our generous and supportive sponsors, Barclays, Green King, Ideal Standard, St. Modwell and Levi Strauss. And I will be back with season six in November for the run up to our Reach Next Generation Summit in partnership with Sheffield University. And a big thank you to all our partners and sponsors, Ideal Standard, Barclays, St. Modwen, Green King and Levi Strauss.